in a world where fans are forever restless, the rules are ever-changing, and you have to be told just how much your favorite team blows to rise above the rest. Welcome to the Couch Coaches with your hosts, Lacey Kay and Drew Hale. And to the new greatest show in sports, it is the Couch Coaches coming to you live from our studio, okay? Um, we're It's our Super Bowl episode. You excited, Drew? Yes. Yes. Um, guys, welcome to the welcome to the new episode. I mean, this is, I mean, when you think about it, really the last episode of the season, I mean, that gets me kind of sad. Oh, listen, you know, the beautiful part is, uh, you know, there's really no off-season in football. Well, that's so, damn right. Uh, that's damn silly. <laughs> so we'll be coming to all of you, all of you folks out there, uh, you know, throughout the off-season as well and uh, the perceived off-season. And uh, keeping up to date with some quote unquote off season. Um, no, and I want to say it now. I want to repeat it at the end of the episode, guys. We know a lot of you enjoyed some of the stuff we did this last off season with the show, but we want to hear back from you. Do you like those position rankings that we did? Do you want to see us redo it? Do you want to see something new? Do you want to see us out in the field? You know, at places, getting live interviews and stuff like that. Give us your feedback. Um, but it's the Super Bowl episode. You know. Two weeks of waiting. It's this Sunday. By the time you're hearing this episode, it's going to be two days away. And we're, it'll come to you the night before the NFL Honor Awards, which we're also going to talk about in this episode. So there's a lot of stuff going on. The season's coming to a finality. And Drew, what what has been your favorite part of this season? My favorite part of this season. Wow. Um, well, <clears throat> my team didn't make the playoffs. So that's uh, challenging for me to identify. My favorite part of the season was, you know, again, I know we talk about it too much, but my favorite part of the season was celebrating with Colts fans the success that Andrew Luck was capable of having. Uh, that makes sense. I can see that. My favorite part of the season is spending it with you guys out there listening. Um, Aww. Yeah, shut up. Uh, no, seriously, like, there's a lot of big storylines. We talked about it last episode, but... You know, when, when news is dropping and there's big moves being made or huge games going on or big injuries or whatever is going on, outside of the initial reaction that I get, the next reaction I get is, how is this going to affect the lead? And I can't wait to talk about it and, ex- you know, explain things and hear new ideas and stuff like that, not only with you doing this th- this show, but also with our listeners. And the listeners you know, messaging in and saying, you know, you forgot this or you messed up that or how could you possibly think this or that because you're an idiot. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun. And this season's been a lot of fun. It was our first full season, you know, doing the show. And, you know, I hope it only improves from here. And it's just another aspect that I've always loved with football that I now get to share with everyone out there listening and it brings a new, a whole new perspective to enjoying the season. So I would say, even though there's a lot going on, there's always storylines and stuff like that, sharing it with you guys has been my favorite part, especially since I had nothing to look forward to with my team. So um, with that being said, you ready to get the show rolling? Let's get it on. Okay. Um. So the only news Dana. I want to talk about because I'm very happy about is the Cowboys are holding the phone and not extending Jason Garrett until they see what he's going to do next year. And we kind of explained it a little bit, you know, wanting my team to do as possibly good as possible, 
every year. You know, I want to see them come in guns a-blazing, run away with the thing next year. But at the same time, I know if they do that, Garrett's going to be there longer than just next season. So I don't know how I can have, you know, have my cake and eat it too. But I, I would really like if there's some way that the Cowboys can have at least a respectable or good year next year without keeping Jason Garrett. Because um, as much as he is a good guy, I really don't want to see him... Does it matter if you don't win the Super Bowl? Let me ask you that. So <clears throat> whether, like, let's just say, okay, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not rolling out the Cowboys from the Super Bowl, right, already, but I'm rolling out the Cowboys from the Super Bowl already. So here's what I'm saying. If You and if every they other team's fans. So if they don't make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, wouldn't you rather only win four games? <clears throat> like, theoretically, let's just think if, about it. Let's talk about it. Obviously, if I knew hindsight, yeah. Because what I would hope is, you know, some serious players sustain injuries, but not nothing serious, just enough for them to miss games, hurt our season, and Garrett, Garrett be gone. Um, but that's like if I could see the future. Like, obviously, I'm going to hope for the best. I want us to do best. Like, if we started off 0-6 next season, I would be pissed. But in the back of my mind, I'd be like, okay, well, Garrett's gone. So, like, and you at least I have that to look forward good to. Draft pick. Um, uh, and by the way, everybody out there, I just want to apologize in advance. I got a little nasally stuff going in here. My throat's kind of feeling a little weird. Uh, me last so week, if I'm, you if this I'm making, week. if I'm making some noises and stuff here, I, I apologize. So, um, But no, so, I mean, I, I think it's good that Jerry Jones finally being like, Garrett, prove it. I do think in we'll order see. for him to keep his job, he has to win multiple playoff games next year. Um, I honestly don't think like him making the playoffs or winning the division or winning one game will be enough because it wasn't this year. Um, it just sucks that knowing the Cowboys' future long-term plans, I have to wait a whole another year just to find that out. But uh, no, so that's really the only big news that happened since the last time we recorded. Um, what I'm really interested in is... Tony Romo. Tony Romo, and if this is going to be the start of something amazing. Like, if you didn't think his broadcasting career is already off to a hot start, if he goes into the Super Bowl and makes predictions like he does in other games and sets the world on fire, what is that going to do for him? Will Tony Romo be the next head coach of any team? No, I'm just kidding. Listen, but, uh, Cowboys <laughs> fans are already, like, we're petitioning for him to be offensive coordinator before it was announced earlier today. Like, get Tony Romo in there, even though he's never been coached before. He's never coached before, and people are like, you know, it's just not. I think what's <laughs> interesting is is Tony Romo right now is probably my favorite announcer. Right? I mean, I love how passionate he gets. I love how he, you know, calling the plays. Like, he's I like think a kid. I think it's great. Yeah, he really is a kid in the press box. Uh, I think it's worth noting that Tony Romo finally gets to go to a Super Bowl. But so, uh, so that's fantastic. Good for him. Uh, yeah, no, I love him in the booth. I really, really do. I think he's just he's doing such a tremendous job. CBS is like just really hit a home run here. The problem is on the flip side of that, you know, Jason Witten is abysmal, uh, <clears throat> abysmal. He couldn't even announce the Pro Bowl right. The only game of the year that literally nobody cares about. So not only does he mess up the Pro Bowl announcing, saying when Patrick Mahomes threw that uh, threw that touchdown to Eric Ebron, he says that's been his guy all year that he's been going to. It's like really that's interesting because that has never been his guy actually ever. Jason <laughs> Witten, 
thank you for that. That's probably the first time they've ever met. Like, get out of here, right? It sucks because Wit is such a big, lovable guy. He's just such a and goof. He was such a great player, but the thing is, he's too stoic. He's st- maybe maybe. Maybe no, he's just too dumb. He, he's dumb. He's not dumb. Okay. He's not dumb. Your entire job is to correctly officiate I got that. a football game. What I'm saying is I don't think he put in the right preparation for the job he thought he was going to have. Maybe if he put in that same preparation when he was a Dallas Cowboy, you might want to see football. Well, he did put in the, that preparation. It's just Which that is he why can't he throw himself the ball and stuff like that. Listen, I'm just joking. I'm messing with that. I think Jason Witten's one of don't the greatest tight ends. Don't attack Listen, okay. he's one of the best tight ends to ever play football. I'm with you 100%. I'm just but, saying... I agree with you. Horrible I with, announcer. I agree with you on that And he statement. broke the trophy. He broke the fucking trophy. I agree with you on what that a statement. Brute. What I'm saying is I'm willing to at least give it until next year to see if he improves at all. And if he doesn't, then yes, he should be out of the press box because he's way too stoic, way too boring. You can tell even when he tries to be more like, you know, go get him and like whatever. And it just doesn't come out any better. So he's terrible. I, I love him. He should be a coach. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a tight ends coach. Well, that's what I mean. Start yeah. off as like a tight ends coach, position coach. If you if you're better than that, work your way up. Yeah. Okay. That's that's probably more his pace. Um. Because I, sure. I think if anything, he would miss it being with all the players and like getting on people and yeah, sure, like stuff like that. I'm interested that you took it to the wit route. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about future kids' names. And I'm like, wit's wit's a pretty good boy's name in the future. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. All right, getting off topic. Um, but no, so I'm going to save the Super Bowl for last because it is Super Bowl weekend, guys. Um, but you know what is Saturday night? Or when you're listening to this episode, tomorrow night, the NFL Honors, which is now how they announce all the award winners and the Hall of Famers that will be getting in this, uh, in this summer. And, you know, I kind of want to go down the list and think, I want to know who you think is going to win, why they're going to win, and we're going to kind of go over not only for the main awards, because Walter Payton, Man of the Year, is a great award, but we can't really do that. There's 32 finalists, and then you're kind of trying to, you know, reason why the player you're picking did more for his community than the player you're picking. Like, my, my, like, Jason. Sammy Watkins, yeah. it wasn't enough, but right. Marks Mariota, thank you, you're the man. Yeah, so we're not going to do stuff like that, but we're going to do MVP, both Offensive and Defensive Player of the Years, Rookie of the Years. Uh, comeback player of the year, coach of the year, and then a ho- our Hall of Fame, who we think was gonna, is going to get in. Off, um, off. But so, do you want to? We're kind of going to work backwards. I think MVP should be saved for last. Agreed. So we're going to go coach, comeback player of the year, the rookie of the year winners on both sure. sides. Let's just wing it. Yeah. All right. That's so, right. coach of the year. Am I going first? Yes, you go. This time we'll alternate. Okay, great. So <clears throat> my coach of the year pick. This was a tough one for me. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> people can make the case. I just want to throw it out there. No, I'm not going to talk about him this episode. I'm not going to talk about him. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Sean McVay. No, 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 not him. Uh-huh. Andy Reid. Uh-huh. Uh, see, there I am talking about him. You can make the case for him, but you're a fool. So, at any rate. I was going to um, say, I thought about kind he of He might actually there. win, and I'll be so pissed. At any rate, I think the one – so, I, I'm going to name two people really quick. I think I, I have one that I really want to win and I think is really deserving to win, and I have one else that the fanboy in me would love to see win. And um, the one I think is the most deserving is Anthony Lynn of the Chargers. Okay. Wow, I was I not think, expecting that. You know, because if you look at him, right? If you look at what he was able to do in such a short amount of time in that San Diego or now LA Chargers team, right? <clears throat> Past two seasons, monumental winning records. Okay, 
I mean, you come in this season with uh, with Philip Rivers, right? Being the same old Philip Rivers he has, he has been, right? A, a really rock star, a rocking out Melvin Gordon, a very much so growing defense, right? A defense that has gotten significantly better. Uh, I mean, again, a team that flew under the radar only because they're in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs, right? If they weren't, we would be talking Chargers, Chargers, Chargers way more, okay? Um, but, you know, I think what Anthony Lynn did there is just, it, it's, you can't look over it, right? You can't look over it and just be like, ah, okay, that's just Philip Rivers doing his thing. Because, yes, he's been blessed. He has the opportunity to have a very consistent quarterback, okay? And that's great and everything. But that very consistent quarterback hasn't very consistently brought you to the playoffs, as the Chargers. So, I think a lot of that has to do with Anthony Some, some could say he is, you know, the Andy Reid of quarterbacks. Uh, let's calm down. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's seriously true. He could, yes, you could absolutely say that. 100%. I'm with you. 100%. Um, you know, but the one, uh, listen, I, I think it might end up just being because of the because of the, all the fanboy going on. It, again, you know, Sean McVay, right? I mean, I don't think he's not deserving of it. No, he I is. Think, he is. I think the problem is... The standard year to year, he made it to the AFC Championship game last year. He won the AFC Championship game this year, which should not be taken into consideration in Coach of the Year, right? They should not take into consideration postseason. But he's done it with a lot of talent. A lot of talent, right? He is the Golden State Warriors of the NFL right now, okay? So I feel like when you have that much talent around you, you're expected to win, right? They're expected to be in the Super Bowl right now. So that's the only reason why I don't think you give it to Sean McVay. I do think Sean McVay is the most brilliant coaching mind in the NFL right now, not named Bill Belichick, which I think was why this Super Bowl matchup is so perfect. But at the same degree, I just, I can't, you know, I don't know. With all that talent, like I said, you should be in the Super Bowl with that talent. So I can't uh, I can't give him any more than that. Um, no, there's, there's quite a, there's quite a few names that are deserving. Sean McVay is deserving. But like you said, with all the talent they have on that team, especially with it, them going out and just buying it or renting it for this year or whatever, like it kind a of, lot of assassins, them, you know what I mean? Sure. And I do think up to a certain point, you can include the postseason with a lot of these coaches, but I think like making the playoffs, you count for them, you know, if they do win the first couple games. That I mean, that's why they're doing it the night before the Super Bowl because they're not letting the Super Bowl decide as like their tiebreaker if you're already being considered. But everything you've done up to that point and how you've done it should be considered for the most part. And I agree with that. So you can make the case for Sean McVay. You could definitely make the case for Andy Reid, and I agree with that statement. Um, but I also think like there's other coaches like Matt Nagy, the Chicago Bears. Very true. I think he he could have done it, okay? Um, I think the reason that he got hurt, though, and that I don't think he'll really be considered is the fact the way they left the playoffs. Because they were favored as the, as the top defense, okay? They were performing. They get in, win the division. That I think people before the season, no one thought they would win the division, okay? But then get, you know, lose the way they did to Philly at home. You know what I mean? I think that hurts him. So I don't think he'll actually be considered for that. I think you could also make the case again for Doug Peterson, because again he had to work with a, a you know, a backup quarterback, s- sneaked into the playoffs, won a playoff game. You know what I mean? You can make a case for stuff like that. Um, but with all that being said, surprisingly, I'm going Anthony Lynn because 
I've been higher on Anthony Lynn. Interesting. You know, last time we kind of talked about this a little bit. You're like, yeah, Anthony Lynn, but you you had your eyes on other coaches. And so I really didn't think you were going to pick him as coach of the year. So when you did, I was really surprised. But yeah, Anthony Lynn, I think just because of the talent he's had, you know, Joey Bosa was hurt most of the year, the best defensive player. Right. You know, Ingram's been hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. And like you said, with Phillip Rivers, you get a certain level of play. And you got to make the most out of that because you already know your ceiling with Phillip Rivers. And like you said, if it wasn't for the big question mark in Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs team, you don't, you know, they they had to, they made the wild card spot in the AFC having one, what, one less win than the Chiefs or the same amount of wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens. You know what I mean? A good team. The only other defense you could argue is being the top defense in the playoffs. I mean, did they go out in a bad way? Yes. Uh, but they played the Patriots who are in the Super Bowl now. You know what I mean? So uh, I think my pick is Anthony Lynn as well. I think that game would be the only thing that would hurt Anthony Lynn. Yeah. By how bad they lost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Anthony Lynn. Um, so going on to the next award. I'll pick the next award, then you can go first. Okay. All right. That? Yeah, all right. That's fine. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I'm going to go with, I want to know, we're going to save MVP for last, so only fitting the next two we save for last are Offensive Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. So since we took an out of position, right, necessarily with, MV, with uh, not MVP, sorry, Coach of the Year, I'm going to take another one-off by itself category award, and I'm going to say Comeback Player of the Year. So I think this one's going to be very boring for the, the viewers because a couple weeks ago we were talking about there's quite a handful of players that you can actually pick for this award. Yeah. J.J. You know, Watt. J.J. Watt, which, oh, oh J.J. Watt. Um, <laughs> Eric Berry. Um, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Yep, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck. Um, and I think there's a lot of deserving people. In the long run, and actually now talking about it, I'm changing it on the fly in my seat. I'm going with J.J. Watt. J.J. Mm. Watt. I did have Andrew Luck down. Okay, and I was like, this is going to be very boring for the viewers. Cause going I, J.J. Watt. I'm going J.J. Watt because I remember people saying, even during the season, that if he doesn't get hurt again, he's not going to play up to the same level. Um, even at his age, that he's washed up. He's no longer the best player on that defense. And that just wasn't the case. He, he was one of the top sack getters in the league. Okay, I'm pretty sure he finished in the top three in sacks. And I'll look that up while you're gone. Okay. And uh no, I I think for him to be the only player to win defensive or I think tied for the most in defensive player of the years. Um I think if anything, even if he doesn't walk away with defensive player of the year, that he should walk away with comeback player of the year. And as impressive as Andrew Luck has been, and that offense has been, and stuff like that, it war- it took Andrew Luck a little bit to warm up. He got better as the season went on. you know. But I think he had more help on his offense and with the coaching staff than J.J. Watt did on the rest of his defense and that coaching staff. And I think he had just as good, if not a slightly better season. And he was doing it pretty much from the get-go, the beginning of the season, where Andrew Luck kind of had to build up. So I'm going to go J.J. Watt 
comeback player of the year. Interesting. Which, by the way, before before we move on and you give your pick, okay, J.J. Watt, because like you said, I wanted to look it up while I was doing this. J.J. Watt this year finished with 16 sacks, coming That's off missing ridiculous. almost the past full two seasons. Okay, 16 sacks. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's number two in sacks this year, but it's definitely top three for a fact. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I did not know he finished with 16 sacks. That's pretty. That's pretty wild. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, listen. I, I think that uh, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time talking about it. Uh, comeback player of the year is going to be Andrew Luck. Spoiler alert: If you don't want to turn on your TV for that award, you don't have to because Andrew Luck is winning it. Not it's taking already anything his. away from Andrew Luck, but I think the fact that he gets it over anyone else and like the tiebreaker if you want to go between him and JJ Watt or Deshaun Watson or not Deshaun Watson but like any of the other players it's the fact that he's a quarterback uh I wildly disagree let me explain do you know what happened when JJ Watt was injured last year they won football games do you know what happened when Andrew Luck was out last year they won nothing that's the difference to me the difference to me is, and, and listen, you can say that's just the quarterback thing and, and he touches the ball more and like whatever. I get it. That's fine. But do you know what happened when Khalil Mack came to Chicago? They won the division. They were not even close to favored to win that division coming into the season. First year head coach and Matt Nagy. You don't really know what you're getting in Mitch Trubisky. Bringing Khalil Mack, they win games because of the disruption that Khalil Mack brings and what was able to be happened to that defense. And some of that you can credit Vic, Vic Fangio to, their defensive coordinator and whatnot. But what I'm saying is I don't think there's a possible chance that can be made that J.J. Watt wins this award over Andrew Luck with what Andrew Luck was able to do. Listen, I, I think that, the, again, we talk about it all the time. The next best player on the Indianapolis Colts, T.Y. Hilton. Beyond that is probably a rookie. Two rookies are probably the two next best players on that team. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Eric Ebron. And then followed by two rookies are the next Quentin two best Nelson players. Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith. Uh, okay. Darius Leonard. Oh, I thought you were talking specifically offense. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. But, yeah, okay. yeah. The, the, you know, two... Uh, anyway. Now, you go over to the, to, you know, the Texans. And, again, not taking anything from J.J. Watt, but, you know, I've, you've got, like, three people on the defense that are really good, with J.J. Watt included. You've got... DeAndre Hopkins, you got Lamar Miller, you got Deshaun Watson, you know, you just got so many pieces. I just, I don't think, yeah, I just don't think so. No way. Andrew Luck's winning the award. I would say this. I would say this, that if you're going about high-profile big names, there are more on the Texans, okay? Because besides J.J. Watt, I would say you can make the case for Watson, you can make the case for Hopkins, and maybe Clowney, okay? I would say that. And big names, when you think about the culture, you think Andrew Luck, maybe T.Y. Hilton, okay? Now, overall, I'm talking about player by position and depth. I think the Colts, the way they played this year, has better overall balanced talent than the Texans do. And I mean that's and and I know sure. I, I know you're saying about the winning and losing, but I would say now I don't have the numbers in front of me, and that's my fault because originally I had Andrew Luck winning this award, so I was prepared for Andrew Luck. But I'm sure if I looked up the statistics for J.J. Watt, seeing how the defense performed the seasons he was mostly hurt, and then this season, their totals all got better since he's played the full season. Oh yeah, I mean of course they've got better. But by what degree? 
And did they need to get as much better as they did in order for them to win games? I would say not by enough to win this award, and no, to my answer to my own two questions, right? Uh, not enough, and no. <laughs> right, seriously, I mean, again, we went from a team, what did the Colts win last year? Three games? I think they won three games last year. Three games. Again, the drop-off between your starting and your backup quarterback is huge. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not... What It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. He could have come back from injury and not played as well as he did, them not make the playoffs, and now we're talking about J.J. Watt, right? But that's just not what happened. And uh, listen, I, I'm not... I'm done on comeback of the year. We've got to move on to the episode. Something. Let me ask you something. Go on. Who won that division? Yeah, listen, I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But you also had three teams competing for the division. Two and a half. Ah, come on. Stop. So you had three teams competing for that division. Two and a half. So, like, I, I just, it's not a, it's a good division. It's a healthy division. But it's a division right now that is at a very low point in its ceiling, right? It's a division that I'm telling you. The Indianapolis Colts are running away with next year. There is not going to be a team within two games of them next year. I'm telling you, this they great. are going to win this division by two games or more. Guaranteed. There's not going to be like a one game, one, no way. It's not coming down to the final week. Andrew Luck, I guarantee you, is not playing the final week of next year because they're not going to have anything to play for. Oh, I would make that bet. Yeah, because, I mean, whether wild card or division, they probably won't have oh, to play. they're running away with the division by at least two games. Listen, the last thing I'm saying about this award before I give you your new one is... Bill O'Brien shouldn't be there anymore. Um, Don't disagree with you. So, going on to the next award, <coughs> and I'm going to go in this order because I, I kind of build it up, you know, to the excitement about the bigger awards, so I'm going to give you Defensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. This is this is interesting. So, again, it's a who I think is going to win versus who I want to win, right? Who I think is going to win is Derwin James. Okay. okay? Um, I think he's going to win. Okay. Who I want to win Darius Leonard, the linebacker for the Colts. Okay. Um, Darius Leonard last year, last season as a rookie, led the league in sac- led the league in combined tackles. Mm-hmm. He led it in like 170 tackles. I mean, that's insane from a linebacker. Period. Yeah. Let alone a rookie. Okay. Um, and again, when you look at <clears throat> quality of player, he's the only name on the defensive side of that football that is relevant that you really think about when you think about the Indianapolis Colts. And for that reason alone and the impact that he had, and listen, there was a lot of good defensive rookies. Leighton Van Der Esch, good defensive rookie. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, tremendous. Derwin James, already mentioned him, tremendous. Derwin James is probably going to get it because of the, only because of the level of improvement that defense had for adding him to it. Right, and again, a, a, a team that made it to the playoffs, a team with a tremendous record throughout the regular season, uh, again just overshadowed, but a tremendous record. So I feel like he's probably most likely to win it, which is why I think he's going to win the award. But I really, really, really hope that Darius Leonard. I find I hope they find it in their soul to nominate Darius Leonard. Um, I want to have a player with. I want to have a problem with either one of those players winning it. Like if James won it, good for Derwin James. You know what I mean? If Darius Leonard wins it, great for Darius Leonard. Um, I'm taking Darius Leonard, okay, because, yes, you made valid points, but they're both part of playoff teams, okay? They both had one win and then lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think compared to some of the other positions, especially on defense, 
linebacker now is slowly becoming less of an actual position because they move you around so much. There's less linebackers on for the sure. field. Yeah, absolutely. And safeties are already overlooked. So it would be nice for either one of them to get. But my difference here is Derwin James was drafted in the first round lower than people thought he should be. Sure. They had him as a top 10 pick. Absolutely. A lot of people didn't have Darius Leonard going until the third or fourth round. Okay. And then in that, on top of that, I feel like even though Derwin James had a great year, Darius Leonard outperformed him. Oh, 100%. But Derwin James was expected to have such a great year. So all he did was meet expectations. Yeah, whereas Darius Leonard exceeded, exceeded. them, and I think Agreed. that helps him. Agreed. Because uh, going looking back really quick, Derwin James had 105 tackles. Now that's awesome from the safety spot. Oh, that's he great. Had three, that's he had three picks. That's solid for a rookie safety. He had three and a half sacks. I think that's solid for a rookie safety. And then he had 13 pass deflections. Great. Great year. Mm-hmm. Great, great year. Okay. But then you look at Darius Leonard, led the league in tackles, like you said, combined tackles, 163. That's crazy. That's Four so forced many. fumbles, okay, as a rookie linebacker. One fumble recovery, two picks, seven sacks. That's crazy. And then eight pass deflections. Insane. Okay. Totally insane. So he played, he covered more area, in my opinion, okay, sideline to sideline, than even Derwin James did. They used Derwin James down in the box. That's why some of those numbers, like his tackles and his sacks, are higher up. Um, and that's not his fault. And he, he played great. I'm just saying your expectations for Leonard, where he was drafted, and he slightly outperformed Derwin James, who was projected to be a top 10 pick. Right. He should win the award. I, I agree. Last thing I'm going to say on this award, and it's interesting we agree. We've agreed on two awards. It's very unlike us. But <clears throat> the reason why, I, the other thing I think is, Derwin James, being the projected better player and expected more of, got less expected of him from his team than Darius Leonard did. Yeah. Darius Leonard was expected to do less and had more expected of him from the Indianapolis Colts defense, and he outperformed those expectations. Yeah. So I hope everybody listening follows that. <coughs> but at the end of the day, it's he's a key component of that defense. And for him to cover and, and, and cover the people that he had to cover, you know, you know, play on the line, play off the line, play in coverage. Rushing I mean, the quarterback. Rushing, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been insane. So, uh, yeah, I hope he wins. Oh, we're, I'm going next. Right, right, right. So, I guess I'll, fo- <laughs> I guess I'll follow suit. Uh, we're, we'll go Offensive Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year? All right, so I think there's only two people you can make a case for. Sure. I think it's Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. and I think it's Saquon Barkley. Agreed. I think Saquon Barkley has the stats. I but I think that the people who are going to say Baker and I wouldn't hate it at all because I love Baker. Okay, is the fact that he played a more imp- more important position. No question. And his team got farther as a result of that. Okay, they performed better. They got farther. Um, with that being said, it would not be right for me to be president of the Barkley fan club and not pick him for offensive rookie of the year. Um, and. A lot of it has to do with, even while watching him play, even though I expect both to be great players, and I love them both, and I would love to have them both on my team, um, when you watch Barkley play, and I know I feel like I never stress this enough, even though I know I beat it into the ground. I'm beating a dead horse. When you watch him play, the stuff he can do, okay, even with, in my opinion, less help around him on that Giants team um, than the Cleveland team, is just amazing. The moves he can make, the effect he makes in both the rushing and receiving game. He's a willing and a decent blocker already. He's only going to get better. 
He's the right kind of off-the-field person and player and personality, not only for that team to grow and have a star and have fans and kids look up to, but to be a leader of other players, you know, already in the locker room, future players in the locker room. When I think of Baker and Saquon, I think they could be all-time greats if they follow this path for their respective franchises. I just think there's that... It's like unfair to Baker because I think in most years... Baker win it hands down, but having the kind of talent that Saquon Barkley does and seeing him do the things he does, I think it's just that case of bad luck that Baker came out in the same class. Yep. I and I, I have Saquon Barkley winning it. Uh, good deal. I'm not going to say anything on this because I agree unequivocally Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley? Yeah. Okay. So 100%. next next one, you ready to move on? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So to throw you off your game, I'm going to give you Offensive Player of the Year. Ah, uh, Offensive Player of the Cause Year. Because I, I was kind of excited. You were talking about how <coughs> like, you think this one's going to be different, and you could talk about a couple play, players and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to say someone that a lot of people have forgot about. So go ahead. I'm excited for that. Um, my, my pick for Offensive Player of the Year is is interesting. Um, because we all know him as a top three player in his respective position, right? We know him for his ability to be wildly consistent year in and year out, regardless of some struggles that he's had and that he's faced. Um, but we don't know him necessarily for what we can know him for this year, which is that he's a wide receiver in a pass-heavy offense that didn't drop a pass all year long. I'm going DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, I really did not see that coming. <laughs> I am going I DeAndre Hopkins, even... okay. Offensive Player of the Year. Um, I think he's hyper deserving of it. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Listen, DeAndre, and this is the other thing too. And this is this is gonna taint him, and this is gonna be the problem that I'm gonna have with this award for him is. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be tainted by the fact that he's been consistently super, super, super good. That's going to be super, the problem. Super, super, super good. Seriously. I mean, that's going to be the issue right now, right? I mean, he ended this season, right? DeAndre Hopkins had 115 receptions. Okay? Okay. So you know what's interesting about that? Is of all the times that he was targeted, he didn't, again, he didn't drop one pass. He, he received for over 1,500 yards, almost 1,600 yards receiving. That is fucking insane. 1,600 yards receiving. That is fucking bananas. And you know what's even more impressive of it? Like some, some people might say like, oh, well, Tyree Kill, you know, Tyree Kill's doing really good. Yeah, listen, hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking that away. Oh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is the second best receiver on his fucking team. Ooh. Okay? So, and then you're like, oh, you know, uh, Tyree Kill. Yeah, you're forgetting they also have Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. So they've got more diversity in coverage. Okay? They've got more diversity in coverage. If you're playing against the Houston Texans and it's third and 10 and you even have a question in your mind who is read number one three five seven nine eleven every other read is coming back to DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> he might be one through four they might just <laughs> stare at him until he gets open like I'm so serious 
That team relies on him for such ridiculous productivity, and he meets every expectation. No one, I'm going to say this, somebody's going to comment something and bite me in the ass because I haven't looked this up, but basically nobody has been able to shut down DeAndre Hopkins all year long, okay? Like, this guy is fucking insane. Almost every game, this guy's got 100 yards, 151 yards, 169 yards, 105 yards, 170 yards, 147 yards against Jacksonville. Like, the guy is a complete monster. Yeah, he doesn't have big touchdown numbers. You know, he only scored 11 touchdowns. But if you're looking at this big picture, I don't think there's another player that has had more obvious expected of him from a defense reading him as an offensive player and still has outperformed all of those than DeAndre Hopkins has this year. I, I See, I think what hurts that is the fact that I can make the case that he's borderline top 10 receiver. You know, <laughs> I know, I know, I don't. No, no, you're not wrong. Borderline top 10, you're wrong, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just you're throwing a it back to Kev, yeah. You're a psychopath. But, uh, and Kev's an idiot. For just for making that statement. Kevin, I love you, but fucking <laughs> fuck you. All right? Like, but you can almost make a case that he's at the bottom of the top five. I mean, you can literally make that case. I mean, you could talk about Michael Thomas. You could talk about Tyreek Hill. You could talk about Julio Jones. I mean, you can talk about people and have him in that wrong. OBJ. Yeah, but you'd be wrong. Uh, Antonio Brown. You can talk about, you can have him at the bottom of a top five list. And nobody's mad about it except for me. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can have him at the bottom of that top five list. But at the end of the day, this season was his season to lose, and, and I don't think he lost it. I mean, you I'm know taking what was the defining moment of this season for me? It's when the Cowboys played the Texans, and they had, a, they had a chance to win that game. And do you remember the whole spin cycle that DeAndre Hopkins put on that Cowboys secondary? He spun out of like two or three tackles Jesus to make Christ. a huge play. Literally, he spun one defender out, and as soon as he finished the spin, just spun a second time without moving and made another guy miss before weaving. It was just, it, I hated it. But Hopkins is, you're right. He could, You could make the case that he's a end of the top five receiver, but in my opinion, he's a top three receiver. And... I don't think you can argue. I think there's a slight, just a very slight drop off between the top three and then like four and five. And I was not expecting you to go there with offensive player of the year, but you know, it was a pleasant surprise and I don't think he'll win it, but it was very out of the box. And I liked that choice. Um, my choice. Cause I think what, especially when it comes to offensive player of the years and defensive player of the years, it's a lot more statistics. Because they're overshadowed by MVP, and when it comes to the rookies, it's like, oh, the rookies first year in the league, so you kind of take not only statistics, but you know how their teams did and the kind of moments they had and stuff like that. Offensive rookie of the year or offensive player of the year, I think, is a very much stat based award, and I think if you're looking at that, even though it kind of dropped off and stuff like that, I think the the clear winner is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley had 21 total touchdowns this season. That is pretty nice. 17 rushing touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns. He had 1,251 yards rushing and 580 yards receiving. And he blocks. Um, you could talk about, yes, there's other talent on that team. Yeah, talk about a true three-down back. Right? Right. There's not many of those. He's He might be one of four. I would say four would be a solid you number. You know what I mean? 
Um, in the league, maybe five, but five, yeah, four. No, four. I, I think him, four. Zeke, five. I got five. Him, Zeke, Bell, and Barkley. Yeah, Melvin Gordon. You think Melvin Gordon yeah. can block? All right, all right. Yeah. So I'll give you Melvin Gordon. Okay. Um, but I but still think that I, agree. I still think even though he could do it off, there's a drop off by the production aspect of like, yeah, he might be able to receive, rush, and block, but it's not as high of a level as the others. I think it's. I think the skill guy. I think it's pretty close. Do you? I don't, I don't. think it's that. I think the drop off from Melvin Gordon to the next best running back, who you might say is David Johnson, is significant. See, you know what's weird? I'm not from gonna, that skill. I'm not gonna try to get too far off. Two topic years ago, here, I would have said David Johnson, but before. I was a big Melvin Gordon fan. He was my favorite running back coming out that year, um, and he had a really good rookie year, and he had a really good year last year, and he had a pretty solid year this year, but. I couldn't really find anyone to agree with me on that, but you might like Melvin Gordon more than I do. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not making a case how, like, Melvin Gordon's the greatest running back. No, no, no I know that. I know that. I know or that. anything here in this yeah. situation. I'm just saying you're, like, willing to give him, like, there's not as big of a gap, and I just think there's a clear-cut gap yeah, between so. the top four and everyone else. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think that. Um, but Todd Gurley... Todd Gurley, and that's, that's saying that he didn't play a couple of the final games at the end of the season... And stuff like that. His numbers could be even better. Okay. Oh, but yeah. he, he had 1,251 yards, 580 receiving, 21 total touchdowns. And yes, there's certain games where Goff throws for 300 plus yards and three or four touchdowns and stuff like that. But most games, on average, that offense moves, whether on the ground or through the air, through Todd Gurley. And I honestly think for the Rams to even have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. Todd Gurley has to be old Todd Gurley. Agreed. And we'll wait to see if this happens, but I still think, at least with those stats and the way he played the majority of the season and stuff like that, Todd Gurley is your offensive player of the year. I hope I hope you're wrong. I'm not mad if he is. I love Todd Gurley. Yeah. I'm not. Listen, Todd Gurley coming into this season, when we did our projections for this season on running backs, he was my number two running and back. He was my number three yeah. behind Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not mad about that at all whatsoever. Um, but I hope it's DeAndre Hopkins because I love him more. Uh, so, right. uh, I think the next one then is yours to give me. Oh, right, right, right. Wait, wait. Does that mean that I get MVP? Oh, you do. Oh, man, it's crazy. Wow. All right. So, <clears throat> you're going to enjoy this one more, though, than I, I am, would. I am. So, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. All right. So, I feel like this is going to be boring. I feel like it is for at least on my case. Because I've been preaching it since last year. You know what I mean? And you know. there's no, there's nothing you got. It's Aaron Donald. It's oh! Aaron Donald. Baby. Mr. 20 and a half. Okay, I mean, they move him around on that defensive line now more than they used to, but mo- the majority of his snap still comes from the interior. Mm-hmm. And when you can get push up that... First off, to be a successful interior defensive lineman, you have to get 5 to 10 sacks. You get ten. If you get ten sacks, you're looked at as one of the best defensive tackles. Oh, you're in the in, you're phenomenal. You know I mean? You're phenomenal. You look at that and tackles for loss, and just being able to get interior pressure. the The fastest way to a quarterback is a straight line, and if you can put push right up the middle to get right in his face, you're disruptive. Not only does Aaron Donald do that and is the best at that, but on top of that, he leads the league in sacks and tackles for a loss. From an when there's two players on him from the get go, <laughs> and he leads the league in tackles for a loss and sacks over edge rushers, where their main job 
is to get to the quarterback over outside pass rushers in the 3-4, where their main job is to get to the fucking quarterback. That's what they pay you for. And this interior lineman is beating you in both topics. You know, what's interesting, I, I just want to let everybody Undersized. know. Undersized. I, I want to let everybody know really quick what's interesting about this is when we came into this, again, we came into this season, we had an episode <coughs> where we talked about, I'm doing a little nostalgia here for some people, where we talked about best defensive players, right? I had Khalil Mack number one. <clears throat> Which okay. you can make that case. Sure, sure. I had Joey Bosa over Aaron Donald, I believe, if I'm correct. Okay, You had Aaron Donald clear-cut number one. Yeah. And you were, like, ragey, mega-huge <laughs> on Aaron Donald from last season's productivity, and he only had 11 or 12 sacks last year. Okay? He comes into this year, finishes with 12 and a half. The fuck? Okay. <laughs> Like twenty and tw- a half. or twenty and a half. Did I say twelve and a half? Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Twenty and a half. Yeah, twenty and a half fucking sacks. That's good for any position. Yeah. Let alone an interior line. You can count, and I don't know for sure, but I'm, it's gonna be close. The number of players ever in the league who have hit twenty or more sacks on your hands. Okay. Oh, easily. You yeah. Know I mean? No question. And he's an interior rusher. I don't think there's one interior rusher I can name that's ever got over 20 sacks. You know what I mean? Ever. J.J. Watt did it. He's not. He's, he's on not the edge. T- yeah, Straight hands on the edge. Yeah. Uh, w- J.J. Watt did it like three times. I yeah. mean, that's what's so yeah. great about well, J.J. Yeah. Watt's greatness. I mean, in my opinion, J.J., just sidebar really quick. And, and this is what I, I kind of want to reference this when you're talking about J.J. Watt for MVP for the sake of giving him street comeback cred. Player, yeah. Or comeback, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For the sake of giving him street cred, right? I think if... If J.J. Watt continues this this path that he's on, he's going to end his career as the greatest defensive end to ever play football. It, it's, I still think he has to do it a couple more years at that level. I think he needs a, I think he needs a ring. Oh, he does. And that's nothing against him. It would be... He would be at the top of the list of players ever to play in the league. Uh, uh, that would be an absolute travesty if he's never won a Super Bowl. He'd oh, be God, up yeah. there... Like I, <clears throat> with Marino and stuff like that. Oh, unequivocally. To it'd be an absolute travesty if he never won one. He might actually. He could give this guy two rings. And Send him to Dallas. I know I'm okay. asking for a lot here. I know I'm asking for a lot. Give this guy two rings, and he keeps up his trajectory. And remember, he's been so injured, and he still has these ridiculous yeah. careers. If he keeps up his trajectory and he gets two rings, I'm going to say that he could end his career as the greatest player on the defensive side of the football if he gets two rings. I, 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 will, I will give this small little you know, bracket. I think he needs at least one to uh, make that case. Well, um, no question. Okay. I'm saying two gets yeah. him that's that. I, I think he needs at least one, and I think he could still go down as the best with one, but he has to consider he has to keep this trajectory and what he's been doing for at least after the season two to three more seasons i think he could do that okay which i'm not saying he can't yeah i i just think he has to if not i think you could i think right now you can argue top five defensive player all time you can oh, make that hundred percent okay 100 to be the best and i definitely think it's possible we both do i think that's what he has to aim for but if he does get two I think I think he kind of bounces up because if he gets two, and that's really asking for something, like you said, agreed. He doesn't have to consider. He doesn't have to continue that arc as long. But I think I think it. I would just like to see him get one. Like I can't tell. He you, needs one. I he can't tell one. you. How, so does DeAndre Hopkins. I can't tell you how happy I was when Demarcus Ware won his. 
Oh, okay. okay. He didn't wear it where you wanted him no, to. No, he didn't wear it where I wanted but I seen him go to Denver and that defense, and I'm like, I I mean, besides me loving that defense to begin with, I'm like, I want one for him. I wanted one for Champ when Champ was part of the Broncos and stuff like that, which we'll He's get to mad. Champ a little bit later. But, you know, it, it would be an absolute travesty. I, I was going to say, I do think a little bit earlier, if we were having this argument, you could have named some other players. Maybe you can't now, but who's your defensive player? No, yeah, it's Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald? It's just stupid. An interior lineman with 20 and a half sacks. Like, fuck you, Aaron Donald. Like, you, you, you literally give no one else a shot. <laughs> Khalil Mack was on a tear. <clears throat> yeah, he was. I also don't th- but I, again, even if you... But in big-time games, in a big-time game, Khalil Mack could not get it done. Khalil Mack only needed to be himself. That's the difference between greatness, right? Typically, greatness, when you spawn a great player in a great postseason run, they need to play unearthly. They need to play next level, and they rise up to this occasion because postseason is, you know, the regular season is what you get paid to do. Postseason is where you build your legacy, right? So I feel like if, like okay. if, if you're a, uh, I'll give you a guess at the guy that lives by it, um, but uh, is it a Packer? He might be the, he might be the. Because Aaron Donald's the second best Aaron in the league. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, so no, but seriously, right? So, what, what um, what I'm getting at is Khalil Mack just didn't do that. He didn't live up to his own expectation. He didn't live up to what he normally plays like, let alone unearthly. So, you know, that's why he just couldn't be in this conversation for me. Um, Khalil Mack was really good. Like, but like I was gonna say, I think if anything, even if you had it close going into the postseason, the way that they both performed in the postseason just oh, makes it unclose. Great. Um. Though I will say this quick before we move on, <coughs> by the, the way the trajectories are going for both Aaron's, Aaron Donald might end up the better Aaron. We'll see. There's a chance. Okay, no we'll doubt. See. Um, Aaron with an R needs at least one more ring oh, to absolutely. be to be clear cut ahead absolutely. of Aaron Donald. Yeah. Um. All right. So final final award before we do the Hall of Fame, MVP. Who, the league MVP. Man. Such a quarterback fucking award. You know, it really is. It really is such a quarterback award. It sucks. Um, it really does. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, it is what it is. Like, it's a quarterback-driven you, league. You have, to, you have to give this award to a player that literally has the opportunity to touch the football every single play. I, I mean, you just have to. And unfortunately, centers will never win this award. So, I mean, aside from that, like that just is what it is. But this award um, has got to go to a guy that – has had a tremendous career and year, meaning I'm picking Drew Brees. Wow. Wow. Drew Brees know, is t- Drew Brees. I'm taking Drew I Brees. Mean, I don't hate on it in the sense that if he won it, I'd be perfectly fine with it. It wouldn't bother me at all. But would I be hella surprised? Yes, I would. So would you believe that in the past, Drew Brees has been in the league 17 seasons? Crazy. Since 2001. I he used to be in San Diego. Yep. <laughs> Since 2001, he's been in the league. Okay. In his entire career, would you believe that he has never thrown for less interceptions than he has this year? He's thrown for five. His next closest year was eight. Uh, seven. Sorry. Seven interceptions. What was, how many touchdowns he had this year? He had 32. Okay. Which is definitely not his highest no, year ever. No, no. But. but with his interceptions being the lowest, he posted... The best passer rating of his career this year at 115.7, okay? He is one of only a handful of quarterbacks to end a season over 112, 
okay? Literally, on one hand, you could put the number of quarterbacks that have ended a season over a passer rating of 112, okay? Not only that, but here's the best part. Here's what I feel like has his year so legendary. Drew Brees threw this year for just under 4,000 yards. Drew Brees has, I believe, the record for most passing yards in a single season with 5,476. So let's call it 5,500 passing yards in a season. This is his... Since he's been with New Orleans, this is his lowest passing yardage season. Wow. So I think what that says about Drew Brees and about this team was Drew Brees' level of hyper-efficiency this season. The level of efficiency that he had this year, they couldn't have got as far as they did if he wasn't that efficient, right? They did not have the defense that they needed this year to win big games. Lattimore did not exist this year, okay? He had an okay year. Right, but he did not have the year that he needed to have to bring them into big games. Okay, offensively, you have Alvin Kamara, who is the toughest cover in the league. Period. Any position, almost. Interesting. I mean, I can't argue it, but okay. You've got Michael Thomas, right? Legendary receiver. He's in that top three conversation. Okay, if you're if you're talking DeAndre Hopkins being in the top three, Michael Thomas is that other name that you can guarantee is in there. Okay, and on an offense that traditionally is led by Drew Brees having to pass for over 4,000 yards, 4,500 yards, 4,600 yards, 4,800 yards, right? He got away with it with 4,000 yards, only five interceptions, and a passer rating of 115-point change. Um, just ridiculous season. I think his completion percentage this season was like 70%. I mean, his completion percentage was legitimately Fucking bananas. Uh, 70% is probably a stretch. I mean, that's retarded. Um, but uh, I'm actually going to look up his completion percentage this year really quick. Why? why uh, but 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 off to you. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Hit me with it. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't hate on Drew Brees. I mean, I think we would both agree that you can make the case. If Sorry, not, really, really quick. Hold on, really quick. Sorry. His completion percentage, 74.4%. This year? That's fucking nuts. Yes. 74.4%. Jesus Christ. Um, you made all good points. I think when you're when you're talking about it, I mean, I think you could comfortably say that Drew Brees. I mean, and if you argue the case, you may, maybe you can make an argument. But right now, I would say Drew Brees is a top ten quarterback all time. Oh yeah, yeah. no question, absolutely. You can make case borderline top five. Strictly on numbers, yeah, no question. Okay, and he has the Super Bowl. All right, so that's something critical when you're talking about quarterbacks. Okay. And like you said, you know, the least amount of picks when he played every game this season in five. You know, also the highest that highest completion percentage, highest com- which is I think is even the crazier stuff. Seventy four point four percent is fucking dumb. It's it's the crazy number. The problem with that though is Patty Mayonnaise, Okay, threw for over five thousand yards for fifty over fifty touchdowns. Okay, he took a team. That was expected to do less, all right, and was known as a giant fucking question mark, and not only won that division, but was the number one seed in the AFC. Not only that, but you take a guy that, a team that you didn't even know, but a guy you didn't even know, you didn't expect that from, and I'm sorry, but when you talk about MVP, 
the flashier a player you can get that produced just as much as you uh, you know other contest uh, contestants participants or you know players up for that award when you can do it at a flash in flashier ways you're going to catch not only the fans perspective but the league's perspective if you're giving me Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees they're like oh who's the face of the league um Drew Brees has been there longer he has a better career obviously he had a great year but people always want the newest toy the newest toy. If anything, you could argue that they both put high levels. You can make the case that, oh, maybe you can argue them. But even though Drew Brees has done it before, he didn't throw for 50 touchdowns this year. He didn't throw for over 5,000 yards this year. His team, okay, right or wrong, didn't make it to the Super Bowl. All right? I mean, neither did the Chiefs. But they the Chiefs. accomplished way more than they were expected to compare to the Saints. You argue, at the beginning of the season, I had the Saints in the... I predicted them in the NFC Championship. I predicted the NFC Championship game in the Rams and the Saints before the season started. Okay? I didn't have the Chiefs in the playoffs. I didn't have them winning the division. I didn't have Mahomes playing the way he did. So that kind of flash... That kind of flash value with legitimacy and numbers behind it, how the team performed... And the fact that he's younger, whether fair or unfair, and the fact that he makes flashier plays, whether fair or unfair, is going to help Mahomes and Patty Mayonnaise is your league MVP this year. I'm not mad. I'm not mad if he is. I'm not mad, okay? The only thing I'm mad about is having hearing him give a speech when I can't stand his voice. Oh, his voice is gross. Um, <clears throat> I'm not mad about it, if that's the case. I'm really not. I just think that Drew Brees is, is more... Uh, yeah, I think he's just more deserving. Listen, I just, that's I why really, really do. Ten years from now, when he wins the Lifetime Achievement Award that they'll do at the NFL Honors, absolutely deserving. But you know, he's won an MVP before. Mahomes hasn't. He's the future. He's going to be one of the faces of the league. He's going to walk away with it, right yeah. or not? Okay, fair, fair. So, so really interesting couple, couple, <coughs> couple quick interesting tidbits. Okay, um, for you. So, when it comes to when I talked about uh, when I talked about passer rating, right, mm-hmm. being one hundred and fifteen percent, arguably the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Tom Brady only surpassed one hundred and fifteen uh, one hundred and fifteen percent once in two thousand and seven. At one hundred and seventeen uh, was his passer rating. Okay, Aaron Rodgers only did it twice. Once being 122% the season where he broke the single record all time of, of passer rating. This is what's super interesting. Neither quarterback, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, have ever had a completion percentage over 69% in their career. Wow. Ever. Neither has Patrick Mahomes in his first year. Sure. But uh, Drew Brees, 74.4%. I mean... It's just his efficiency this year was unearthly, and uh, I hope he wins it. But again, I'm not mad if Patrick Mahomes does. Yeah, A rookie coming out, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. I mean, his stats are out of control. Before we pick our Hall of Famers. Okay, let's do it. Give me a player. Doesn't matter what year he's in now, but a player that you think will win the MVP before his career is over. Could Any be a, player? Well, yeah, it could be a rookie. It could oh, be God. someone in their third year. Can it, it be, have to be a rookie? Because, I mean, it, it would just be it too obvious have, in any other no, position. Whoever you want. 
So a player that has not won it yet. Okay, so has not won MVP yet. Sorry, has not won it yet, but will win at least one, you think? A player who has not won it yet who will win at least one. Hmm. And yes, it does favor quarterbacks, but it doesn't obviously have to be a quarterback. Only because I don't want it to be a quarterback, Saquon Barkley. I love that you picked Saquon Barkley. And obviously, I think he has to be in the consideration. Do you want to take a guess at who mine is? Baker Mayfield. Fuck, I didn't think it was that obvious. Was that written all over my face? Yes, it was. I really thought you were going to be like Zeke The only reason like why that. I picked Saquon Barkley is because I knew you were picking Baker Mayfield. How the fuck did you know that? I knew you were picking Baker Mayfield. I'm the president of the fucking Saquon Barkley I know, fan club. I know. But because Zeke it's, it's, a, quarterback, team, it's a quarterback-driven award. Oh. It's a quarterback-driven award to win it eventually when you worded it like that. It had Baker Mayfield written all over it. it written Damn. all over it. Damn. Um, yeah, just the stuff I was talking about. Had a great year as a rookie passing and completion percentage and stuff like that. I think it's only going to get better. He's going to be on a hot team for the next couple seasons. Agreed. He has the attitude, the young quarterback, everything like that. I think it's a guarantee that he'll win at least one MVP in his career. All right. Agree with you. Hall of Famers, let's do this together. Good game. Right? I like it. We're going to name them instead of just going like naming your five and then my five. The ones that are already in is the older players, Johnny Robinson, and the... Uh, I forget the actual term. It's like helpers, whether it be a you know front office personnel, scouts, whatever. The two the two helpers that are getting in contributors is uh, Pat Bowen and Gil Brandt. Okay, not mad about either, obviously. But what everyone everyone wants to know and what they don't know yet is the five that are going to get in for this year's Hall of Fame class. Let's do it. Okay. Now let's, I think let's walk through every single finalist and we just do in or not. All right. Well, <clears throat> do you want to do it that way? I think so. Okay. You want to bring up the list? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, while you're bringing up the list, I think there's... Unless you want to do it another way. What, no, what way do you fine. want to do it? No, that's fine. No, I'm curious of your way now. I, I was just going to say, we. I think there's two... Or, sorry, I think there's three players that will definitely get in. And I, I, the reason for that, I think, is... We're you think we're going to have the same? Yeah. Okay, let's just let's do it your way. Okay. I like your All way right. So, Tony Gonzalez. 100% guaranteed. I think he's the first battle Hall of Famer. Agreed. I think he's getting in. Champ Bailey. 100% agree. He's first my battle. favorite player in the class. I think he should be... Automatically. He's my second favorite player in the class. I agree with you 100%. Um, who's your first, Tony? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I personally, just personally think, even though I don't think he's as clear-cut as the other two, that should get in and will is Ty Law. Okay. I think Ty Law will. I don't think he's the third obvious if we're going third obvious. I know who you think, and you can make the case for that. I just think because Ty Law has been but Ty Law is on my list. a higher level. He's on my list. Okay. So if, if we have five people, so the three <laughs> that we agree on unequivocally is are Tony, Tony Gonzalez, Champ Bailey, and Ty, and Ty Law. Okay. Yes. I agree 110% that I feel like those three will get in. Now, my other two <clears throat> is obviously who I'm picking to get in. And one of them is who I think you think is the other clear cut. Um, and then I have two names that I think will get in. We'll explain why then. Okay. okay. So my other two is Ed Reed. Yep. 100%. He's okay. my guarantee. That's what I figured. Correct. Um, and then the thing is, we both agree that we don't think they're going to allow so many defensive players in the league. It's unfortunate. Because it's typically offensive heavy, and they want at least some kind of disparity there. Correct. Um, so I went with another offensive player besides Tony Gonzalez, but I know it's not going to be the same one you think. I okay. know it's not. Let's go. So I, I'm looking at the names, and there's a bunch of names deserving. Edron James, Isaac Bruce, Atwater, John Lynch, um, Alan Fanica. Hutchinson, Kevin Mawai, stuff like that. Wait, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't name one that I think you're going to name 
that's going to be hysterical, but go on, please. Uh, no, I did name him, and okay, you're not okay. going to agree with it, okay. but I think one of those linemen have to get in. Oh, my okay? God. No and way. You, if you pick Fanica no or Hutchinson, way. it's fine, but I'm going Kevin Mawai. No right. way! I'm There's going no Kevin way! There's no I'm way! I'm sick of the non-love on this show, okay, for the linemen. Especi- no specifically offensive linemen. Hold on! Okay. There is less... So, hey, and you're taking Kevin White over Steve Atwater. And by the way, he's not my pick to get in. But, like, holy shit. Level of deserving. Because if we're going strictly off deserving... I could argue that it's four defensive players besides Tony Gonzalez. I agree with you. But by I the don't way. think that'll be the case. I agree with you so again. So I'm taking out any of those defensive players. I did it too. Okay. So when you're talking about Edron James. Yes. Isaac Bruce. The obvious Edron okay. James. 100%. I would honestly put John Lynch ahead of Edron James. But, the thing but is, I know that's the, not going to happen. The way I see it. Running back is such a higher looked at position. Sure. Okay. And you're going to get more, more running backs in that Hall of Fame than you ever will offensive linemen. No question. Okay. Right. So I think when you get those top-tier players at the lesser positions, the way people view them, they're more deserving when it's not first ballot. And for that reason, I'm going Kevin White because he's an older player. He played at a higher level at a less-known position, so there's that disparity there. I agree okay? with you. But- so me personally, because this is my list, I'm taking Kevin White. I, I agree with you. I'm going to give the reason why no one that listens to this show right now is going to get to witness that uh, at the Hall of Fame, right? And and, it, and it's because of this at the NFL Honors. Because the problem is with this class, I don't – I hear your you're saying, okay? But there is no one in the league, there is no one on that board that's doing these votes that can possibly put Kevin Mawai ahead of John Lynch in their head or Steve Atwater. There's nobody that can do that with a conscience and go home and say, okay, this is the list of finalists. One year, maybe. One year, maybe. Uh, There's a year that that will probably happen. But it can't be this one. You can put him ahead maybe of Edron James. Steve Atwater's been waiting, okay? Right. I think that hurts him, though. I I don't disagree with you. I do disagree that it hurts him. But, like, the problem is... And I'm not taking anything away from Kevin Y. Like, I'm not. Really, know, I'm not. I know, I'm not taking it that way. Yeah. But, but it's just the fact that this list is so good. Like, it's so... We literally have... There are three people out of five... Arguably four people out of five that are fucking guarantees. That, like, you can just cash the check. Like, I would walk to the bank right now and be like, okay, cool, yep, I'm cashing the check on these four players. I'm making a bet in Vegas on these players getting And I would, I, I would do that 100%. $1,000 on all four of those players, and I think I would win, right? I'm very confident. And Tony Champ tying that. Yeah, okay. right. And three of the four are first ballots. Tony, Champ, and Ed? Yes. Okay. So those three of the four are first ballots. I couldn't remember if Ed was first or first yeah. or second year. So if that's the case, okay, that's the problem. The problem is it's such a strong first ballot class with such clear-cut people that have to get in. And Ty Law is one of the best corners to ever play football. There's no way he can't get in right now. That leaves one open spot. That open spot between Edron James, Which Steve Atwater. We agree. You know, we would give to a de- defensive player. 100%. But we don't yep. think the league will do that. I agree with that. Okay. So that brings it down to Steve Atwater having to come down to it, right? Yeah. Which is not going to happen. John Lynch not being in it. Right? He's not in it, right? It. it I, I just, again, it comes down to Edron James. Edron James. Isaac Bruce. And, and Isaac Bruce is not getting in. And I love him. I love what he's done. I love what he's done. But 
I just, it's got to be Edron James, I think. If it's another defensive player, I think it's John Lynch. Um, if it's another offensive player, uh, I don't know. I was going to say, I, I did have Edron James and Isaac Bruce off to the side here because I think that it's more likely that they get in the, get in over Kevin Mawai. I just, because of that disparity and, you know, them often being overlooked and the fact that when you have those top-tier offensive linemen in the league, those names stick with you where you could argue – other positions, whether this player or this player was better, where a lot of the offensive linemen you can't. So I'm just showing love for Kevin Mawai. But if if they do go for defensive players, and I don't, we both don't think they will, I would put Atwater in over Lynch. Uh, okay. This is, this, is where, this is where it's interesting. This is where it's interesting. On a principle of loving football, I agree with you absolutely. The reason why it won't happen is Super because Bowls? of John Lynch's profile. Oh. That's it. It won't happen because of John Lynch's profile. The fact that he's still in the league, he's a GM, and stuff. Yeah, right, right. Again, it's funny because they both play the same position. They both played safety. You know what I mean? I'm just so, saying, Atwater is a nasty motherfucker. I don't disagree yeah, with Yeah, I know. I'm just... I agree. Yeah. All right, I just so, think it would have to be John Lynch. So, that was interesting. I think that might have been the most interesting out of all the awards. I um, agree. I liked it a lot. Um, so I hope the fans agree. You, What you wanted to do is you wanted to pick a player off each team in the Super Bowl this year. Correct. That's we think is going to be a future first ballot Hall of Famer. First but ballot. We couldn't pick Tom Brady because we all know he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Correct. Or Bill Belichick because he's obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. So <clears throat> we'll we'll take turns. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll go first since <clears throat> okay. you always go first. What team time. are you going first with? Uh, I'm going to go Rams. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. So I'm going to give you one who I think it is, but if you're not satisfactory with it, I'll give you a backup. Okay, let's go. I think Aaron Donald. Agreed. I think Aaron Donald is the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's Agreed. the best player on that team. Will end as one of the best defensive players of all time with this Agreed. trajectory. Okay. But if that's too clear cut and you want it a little bit more out of all the players, I, my, my backup was Todd Gurley. Agreed. I, really? Okay. Yes. So I thought maybe they make the case for Jerry Goff or Sean McVay or you know um, someone else that maybe is a good player but you think is going to take off. But I think it's Todd Gurley. I think for the most part he'll stay healthy. He'll continue to be that mm-hmm. that player that can do all three aspects of the game right. and be highly functional whether stat like rushing yards wise or touchdowns wise or whatever. And I think out of chances, right now I wouldn't say he's a first ballot like I would with Aaron Donald, but I think he has the best chances currently on that sure. team to do it outside of Donald. I think that that I agree with those picks being spot on 100%. I went a different route, but okay. I do agree with your picks 100%. Okay. Um, I will stick with the Rams, and I'm going to say that my first ballot is Sean McVay. Okay. And I don't I don't think it's not I, – I, it's a it's a more risky call, right? Because yeah. I think Aaron Donald is more the guarantee. Because he's only in his second year in the league. Correct. And, yeah. So – but I, the reason why I feel – like it's Sean McVay is because if you remember last year he did this same exact thing missed it by a game but he did the same exact thing with half the talent so what what it's proving in two regards is this money doesn't buy happiness in the NFL number one and I think the other thing it proves is hard work and good coaching trumps talent Um, because they got to the same level almost right not necessarily the level of dominance during the regular season but I think what Sean McVay is doing is changing the way the league interprets interprets greatness at the head coaching position. And that's what I think is most important. That's the contribution that he's making right now 
that I don't think a single player can make. You can make the case maybe Aaron Donald's doing that with interior linemen, but Todd Gurley is definitely not doing that with running backs. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think Sean McVay is changing the way the league looks at head coaches. I mean, we've been seeing it all year long, this year and last year. If you have, again, if you've served Sean McVay coffee at Starbucks, you've got an interview for a position (laughs) coach at the bare minimum. They're looking at taking his quarterback's coach, who's never even looked at a playbook. I'm just kidding. Obviously, he has, right? But he's never called plays. Never called plays. Never even held plays in his hand on the sideline, right? And they're looking at him for a head coaching position, which he's guaranteed basically to get, right? That's insane to me. It is, insane it is, to me. It's crazy. Matt LaFleur in Green Bay was the offensive coordinator for Sean McVay. Goes to Tennessee, one or quarterback's coach there. Offensive coordinator in Tennessee, one year, and now Green Bay head coach. And, I mean, you wouldn't even say, like, Tennessee had a great offensive year. No, they right. didn't. But he sucked t- Sean McVay's dick, apparently. And, like, that's all that matters. Like, he's got a little jizz on his lip, I guess. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Is it's that so, uh, Is that McVay? Right, exactly. It's like, did you walk by him in the... Is that a hair follicle? You're hired. You know? Like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, that's why I think he's in. Okay. Um, roll right into the Patriots. You want me to do Patriots yeah. first? Okay, gotcha. So, my first ballot Hall of Famer... Not including Brady or Belichick. Not including Brady or Belichick is super interesting because so mine. That's why because I, I don't think mine is necessarily even possible to some degree because this individual would have to go down as a contributor first round and that is Robert Kraft. Okay. Did not even consider Robert Kraft, but it makes sense. I okay. think that Robert Kraft is the most clear cut to me outside of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for the Hall of Fame currently sitting on the New England Patriots. Okay. I mean, I can't argue that. I didn't, but I didn't even think that route. Again, and the uh, the reasons are obvious, but I'll just illustrate them, okay? Robert Kraft is the reason that Bill Belichick check exists in New England. A lot of people at the time of that hire thought it was risky at best, okay? A guy who came at the time from New York, uh, you know, very risky move. They brought him in as a head coach, okay? At the time, paired him up with Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, he had tremendous success, if you remember that year, right? He had tremendous success there. Even the year Drew Bledsoe got injured and Tom Brady backed him up, still a playoff year for them. So, and then since, obviously, they've, you know, they've dominated, you know, generally with that court coach-quarterback combo. I think the interpretation of how good you are as an owner is how well you can surround yourself with talented people. How good is your evaluation of talent, and I don't think there has ever been a better hiring decision ever than Robert Kraft hiring Bill Belichick. The matter of the fact that he's the one that hired, you know, Belichick. He's the one who had input with the coaching staff to bring in Brady. Um, granted, they didn't expect what they got from him. Um, sure. But when he bought that team, where they were ranked, not only financially, but popularity-wise and stuff like oh, that. Oh, it was a trash team. Compared to where they are at now... Is monumental gains. Ridiculous. So, yeah, you, you can't argue it. That's a good pick. I didn't even think about ownership, to be honest. Um, so, my first, outside of Brady and Belichick, because they are both going to be first ballots. Um, since they're, you can't pick them, my the, I, the one I think that has the best chance is, and it's not Hall of Fame, it's first ballot, is no one. I don't think there is ha, anyone. Is that nobody. Was, that's literally what I have here. It's, you have no one in gigantic there's letters. There's no one. There's no one. Okay, I don't think there's anyone on that team, offense, defense, coaching staff, whatever, that right now you could say they have a pretty good chance of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Not even Gronk, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Hell no. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. I, but I don't think at all it'll be first ballot. Argue. Um, what's funny is the best case you can ar- I could argue personally outside of Robert Kraft is Sony Michelle. Only because he's he's the one that hasn't fucked it up for long well, enough it's, to be it's unqualified. Because I'm like, well, if you're gonna make me pick one, I put Sony Michelle because of the fact that he has the best ratio of talent to time left to do something. Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. He's, Other players are way better than he is on that team right now. But they, they don't have much time left, or they haven't done enough in the yeah, time they've had, absolutely. or whatever the case Exactly. Be. So he's a rookie. He had a great year. Brady doesn't have that many more years left, but Belichick will be there, in my opinion, after Brady leaves. And as we all expect from Belichick is that he alters his team to make it work. You're not going to get another Brady. You know what I mean? But he'll get a quarterback that's competent, and Sony Michelle will probably still be there. And that offense, I think, is Sony Michelle is good enough for that offense to run through him. Agreed. And he now, granted, we don't know who they're going to draft in the future, but right now, I think he is your best percentage, age, and production wise, Agreed. to be that first ballot Hall of Famer. Agreed. If it has to be a player, I have to pick Sony Michelle for that same exact reason. Yep. I would say you know they've got some pieces on defense <coughs> that are better. <coughs> Stephon Gilmore, I think, is a really good corner. Oh, he is. But he's never going to be. He might never even be a Hall of Famer. But that's isn't that crazy that that imagine the disparity that we're talking yeah. about right now, the disparity between the coach and the quarterback on that team to the next best player is a cliff drop If we were talking about a year and a half it ago, falls it would be like, okay, Brady, Gronk, and then it's like a bunch of solid players and a bunch yeah. of players that other teams might have but want to be starters and then stuff like that. But I mean, not you can't even say Gronk now. And I think he's done enough in his time to be a Hall of Famer. I just don't think it'll be first ballot. Possible. I agree. Last thing to pick before we get into the Super Bowl. Ooh, halftime show. Oh my God. Good, bad, or any other adjective. What do you think that the show is going to be like? Uh, I am probably the least fanboy of Super Bowl halftime Big shows boys performing, that I know. Uh, Rune yeah, five, I know, I know, okay. I know. I, I, it's probably going to be good. Yeah, okay, it's going to be good. All right. I have no vested interest in the Super Bowl. My halftime word show. is controversy because I have a running conspiracy theory okay oh my god they took it under much pressure when a lot of artists were taking it down because of the whole colin kaepernick thing rune five took it they got big boy and someone else big boy there's someone else that's good i just can't think about the time i had i'm sorry um performing with them but they did something that no one ever ever else has done and that's they refused to have their press conference before the super bowl about their performance no one has ever done that there was a big backlash over that because maroon five won't do it because they want to talk about it right so my thing is, I think they're pulling a no look over the NFL, and I think during the performance they're going to be pro Kaepernick. What? Like that. What? And this huge controversy not only with the league but the fan base and stuff like that, and they don't get paid for it anyway because it's just a a showment to getting their name out there and you know adding stuff. Really, to the, you do not get paid. You do to not the Super get paid. Halftime? I did not nope. know that. Nope, you do not get paid to perform at the Super Bowl halftime. You get show. picked. It's like a you're getting nominated. You get picked. You get your star raised. It's something you can say you've done. I think at most they, they'll donate to a, a charity or something like that. Really? But you do not get paid to perform wow. at the half, half, uh, Super Bowl halftime show. I did not show. know that. So I think they'll use that. They'll get their star raised. They'll be pro-Kaepernick or pro-choice or whatever it is uh, for that. And I don't think so. Big backlash. All right. Time to get into the major thing. Let's do it. We're technically from right now three nights away. But by the time you're hearing this, two nights away from the Super Bowl. Let's get to it. So... Some stats I want to throw at you before I get your picks and the betting and stuff like let's, that. Let's do it. 
So in the postseason so far, the total offense, okay, the pass offense and the run offense, these are the statistics. In total offense, the Rams are averaging 418.5 yards to the Patriots' 511, okay, in the postseason. The pass offense, the Rams are averaging 243.5 yards to the Patriots' 345.5 yards. And then run offense, the disparity is only 9.5 yards because the Rams are averaging 175 to the Patriots 165.5. So just looking at the offense, okay, in the, in the playoffs, the Patriots are outperforming the Rams by almost 100 yards in total offense. They are overperforming the Rams on passing offense by over 100 yards. Okay, 102 yards. They're averaging more in the playoffs. And in the, rush, in the rushing offense... The Rams are only beating the Patriots by nine and a half yards, one seventy-five to one sixty-five and a half. Okay, points per game on defense, the Rams are allowing twenty-two and a half. The Patriots are allowing twenty-nine and a half. Ooh. On the defensive side, total defense, the Patriots are allowing three hundred and twelve and a half yards. Rams are only allowing two ninety-nine. Pass defense, Rams are only allowing 250 in passing yards. Patriots, 282 and a half. And in rush D, the Patriots are only allowing 30 yards to the Rams, 49. Okay? So, Ooh, interesting. That's where the statistics are. Make of it what you will. Bet this is the line. Rams versus the Patriots. The Patriots, all right, are negative two and a half. Okay? The over-under is set at 56.5. The Patriots are being given 2.5 points. No, the Rams are being given 2.5. What did you say? I said the Patriots are negative 2.5. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So the Rams are being given 2.5. The over-under is set at 56.5. That's huge. Okay. So That's do you huge. want to make your picks first or me? Uh, I'm going to go first. Are you sure? I'm, I'm going to use a stat line Okay. that I think is interesting. <clears throat> so <coughs> my pick is I'm I'm – Taking the under. Oh, for okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. Um, I think both teams score. I think we've got like a 27-21 thing kind of going on here a little bit, um, or close to it. But I'm taking the Rams. Okay. I'm taking the Rams not because everybody in the nation that's not a Pats fan is taking the Rams. Not just because of that, but I think there's one statistic that is super alarming that I think needs to be needs to be talked about. Okay. Aaron Donald and the Rams defense have generated the highest pressure rate from the interior position this season. One of the highest in recent league history at about 17% pressures. Okay, coming from the interior. Tom Brady's passer rating against two two line pressure types, which would be edge, obviously, and interior. Okay, his passer rating this season when being rushed off the edge, 118.7. Second best in the league. I'll let you wow. guess who's first. Um, with with rushers coming off the edge, okay? His passer rating when getting interior pressure, 63.1 in half. Yeah. So Aaron Donald is going to be the reason why they win or lose this game. If Aaron Donald can get interior pressure on Tom Brady. And listen, there is no way that... that <coughs> That Sean McVay does not know that, okay? There is no way that he does not know that his game plan is to get Tom Brady hit quick and get up the middle and get in his face, okay? 
So with that being said, and listen, I don't know that the the Patriots have the greatest offensive line, right? Um, I mean, the, the Rams obviously have the better offensive line without question. And I think that what's interesting is with a stat like that, with a player like Aaron Donald, who the opposite of Khalil Mack, rises to the occasion <coughs> typically in situations like this, I think if they can get pressure on Brady up the middle, I think it's game over. Because they've got they've got good defenders, right? Now, New England has better depth in the secondary. Yeah, They've got much better secondary depth. Although the names on the paper don't shout that to you. But from a productivity perspective, they've got a better secondary. Okay? So I think they're going to be in trouble there uh, a, l- a little bit, right? If Brady can, if Brady can sit in the pocket, they're going to have they're going to have big time problems. Um, but because they don't have a strong, you know, what they don't have uh, for sure in LA is a strong is a consistent linebacker core. The, the linebacker position is the weakest one in LA by far. It also happens to be the center of the field, the part of the field that the Patriots like to work the most. So. It's going to be an interesting game, but I think Aaron Donald getting pressure up the middle, Rams favor. I think the Rams win. Let's call it 27-21 make it easy. I do really I, – I thought for sure that you were going to pick the Rams up until like right like tonight and the night before because I started wavering. I'm like, I don't know though. He he does believe in the whole Patriots have been there before. You got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Oh, that's a real thing, 100%. Stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, maybe he won't. Um, I It's just with the Patriots, I think, you know – there's so many things that go towards their advantage. Like like I've already established, they've been there how many times? They have a high success rate while they're being there. You have arguably the greatest coach and quarterback who ever played the game playing in the game. Sure. Okay? you got, even though the Rams have higher talent and bigger names overall across that team, I feel like the Patriots play more as a team because they have lesser names but still perform. You know what I mean? It's more like having to rely on each other and playing as a team than relying on certain players. Um, and the defense, who I thought was a liability for the most part of the regular season, has played a lot better in the postseason. You don't know what you're going to be getting out of Todd Gurley. Okay, he, He's been a non-factor, and I think he needs to be a big factor in order for the Rams to win. Um, and I just think, like, yes, I knew about that statistic with the interior rush, but I don't know if it's, if it's going to get there as often needed and Brady will get out of the pocket and stuff like that. I just think everything points towards the Patriots. Um, but between a bet I have going the thought in my head and just a gut feeling, I can't explain any better than that. I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams. No more than love those it. things. The gut feeling that, that simple thought in my head and a, a bet I have going anyway. Um, I just, I think it's going to be over. I think it's going to be over. So you don't even think it's going to be close. I I have it being close. I This is my score. I had the Rams winning 35-31. Ooh, okay. That's super close. Okay. I think it'll be uh, a game. Okay. Here's what well, I'm just going to say to yours really quick. And I'll, we'll put this in the bet yeah. board somewhere, right? I don't think it's possible that the Rams score over 30 points and the Patriots score over 24. I think if the Rams score over 30... There's no I, – I think the Patriots are really being suppressed big time because get Tom Brady out of that rhythm, you know, throw down his time of possession, and I, I think that game goes south well, super quick. I'll get super specific here, okay, which I normally don't like to do, but I think there will be a rush after Brady, which I think is the difference on the defensive side of the ball. 
I don't expect the Rams defense overall to play that great. I think Aaron Donald and that interior pass rush will make the big difference on the defensive side of the ball, though. I still expect Brady to have a good game. I expect Sony Michel to have a good game. I expect him to go for over 100 yards rushing, and I expect him to go for over 50 yards receiving with at least one touchdown. Okay. okay. Very um, feasible. But besides the Rams, I think Todd Gurley shows up. Ooh. I think even though he's... There's a lot of hype around Todd even, Gurley. Even though they know his talent, they haven't been using him, whether people speculate injury or, you know, lack of use, the fact that C.J. Anderson is more of a power rusher, you know, and the bounce they kind of have, I expect Todd Gurley to have a big game. Over 125 yards rushing, flirting with 100 yards receiving, three total touchdowns. Oh, baby! Oh, my God! Todd Gurley winning the Super Bowl MVP. What? As the Super Bowl MVP. What? Okay? I think Jerry Goff will have a decent game. I don't think he'll have to do anything crazy. No, but he won't. He'll have to. He, he won't make mistakes, and he he'll do. Yeah. He'll he'll do what's needed. They'll get just enough off the rush on oh. defense. They'll get some passing there with Man. Robert Woods being the Swiss Army knife. Brandon Cooks making a play or two downfield. Um, Cooper Cup is unfortunately hurt, but Todd Gurley will make the whole thing go. Oh. Three, t- three total touchdowns over 125 yards rushing, flirting with 100 yards receiving. He'll win Super Bowl MVP. Rams Ooh. win 35-31. Can I tell you that I have to change my pants? After that Todd Gurley breakdown, because I love it so much. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, you know, I don't normally do that specific, but I was good. Listen, I, I don't, I don't <coughs> disagree that that's what's gonna happen, because listen, Sean McVay, enough cannot be said about how smart this guy. It is. wouldn't surprise me if he's like, we're gonna make it seem like there's something going on with Todd Gurley. Keep him to the Super Bowl, and then I have a whole package just for you. Oh, hundred percent, he like, does. He already does. Because listen, he knows New England has wins secondary they're gonna win the secondary battle all day long like that's just gonna be what they're gonna do okay here's what the x factor is what he also knows is that bill belichick will not allow your best player to beat you to beat them he won't do it no he will not do it. that is his motto he will not let your best offensive player be their demise their best offensive player significantly is todd Gurley. By very large, very astronomically wide margin. Okay, it's Todd Gurley. Here's the thing. The Patriots are not in a position to stop Todd Gurley. They can't do it. No one's been able to, number one. Again, secondly, they have incredible depth in the secondary, but the Patriots' front seven isn't really that great. The Rams' offensive line, super good. Super good. Okay, and here's the best part, right? The Rams can do some crazy wildcat shit. Okay, they can do crazy hooks. You know what I mean? They've got so much Wide movement. Sweeps, They've got like, so much movement in that backfield going on at times. Okay, I I just do not think it's possible. Because here's what I think happens: in order for the Patriots to stand a chance, I feel like if you're Bill Belichick. Everyone listening in, this is the reason why I'm not a head coach in the NFL. I feel like if you're Bill Belichick, you have to overcompensate to Todd Gurley 
for his dominance, okay? You've got you've to almost be doubling Gurley all day, right? I mean, you've got to anticipate run 100% of the time. And then knowing he's a receiving back, you've got you've to factor for that, right? You've got to have like a man over top. Even you're playing zone, right? I mean, you've got to have somebody following out Todd Gurley. Like, you just have to overcompensate. And I think the overcompensation for Todd Gurley is in turn going to be their demise. Because I feel like... <laughs> Sean McVay is coming into this game with a package for Todd Gurley. I agree with you. I think the package is different. I don't think Todd Gurley has the success you think he's going to have because I think Sean McVay knows that Todd Gurley cannot have that type of success and have them win this game because he knows Bill Belichick's plan is to take him out of the game. And he knows Bill Belichick's going to do as much as he can as, as humanly possible to do that. So he's going to give Todd Gurley as many looks as possible to keep Belichick thinking that. And then he's going to be doing a lot of sweeps. He's going to be doing a lot of crazy shit, forcing them to compensate for Gurley when, you know, we're going to have Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, you know, being super explosive. See, so we'll if, see what happens. If Todd Gurley was being we're, Todd Gurley, we're like min-maxing, really overthinking this all game, this. I would agree with that because you're right. The one thing Bill Belichick will always do is take away your best player no matter where he is and make you beat him with your second and third best players, period, okay? But I think what hurts and helps the Rams is the fact that Todd Gurley hasn't been Todd Gurley. C.J. Anderson has been playing really well, stuff like that. So Patriots aren't forgetting about Todd Gurley, but they can't afford just to focus on Gurley. They have to worry about a power rush game with C.J. Anderson and the fact that they do so much in that backfield. No, trying to read all that. It's crazy. So what I think you do is you get Todd Gurley going early in the game in the receiving game. Let C.J. Anderson hammer out some of that interior line. And as the game goes on, turn that passing and receiving game with Gurley into a rushing game after the defense is already kind of worn down from the power game, around the outsides, stuff like that, create holes, and Gurley will go off. I think that's what I expect to happen. I have him as the Super Bowl MVP. Do you have a Super Bowl MVP for me? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to have a Super Bowl MVP, <coughs> I hope I can say Aaron Donald. Okay, because I, I know, would love that. I would absolutely love that. I know that he's the guy that has to be the difference maker. Like, he, he's got to be the guy in this game that shows up. For the Ram, If the Rams are going to have a Super Bowl MVP on that team, it, I think it has to be Aaron Donald because I think that's the level of impact that he has to make in this game. All right. Uh, I think that's the show. You know, that's our final show, I think, for the regular season. And the postseason, obviously. Um, next time you hear from us, it'll be quote unquote the off season. But you know, football never sleeps. Um, is there anything about the Super Bowl, the awards, anything this season has brought that you would like to touch on before we end this? You know, nothing. Seriously, uh, th- this season, you know, covering out part of this season here has been a treat. Um, I love doing it from just a freelance fan perspective. I mean, literally half the time. And I know we said this before, but the half the time for the prep for these episodes is us talking 20 minutes before the episode happens on our phone for five Not minutes. Not telling each other where we're Correct. going because yeah, just we like talking to surprise football. each other. Right. You know, just talking football for 20, 30 minutes before the episode starts and kind of figuring out where we're going to be on the episode, like yeah, what kind of like topics we're going to cover. And, stuff like that. and then it's five minutes on a cell phone and a couple notes on a legal pad at best. And like we're just ripping, and then blowing minds, and like yeah, we're just blowing minds. And I know it's it's funny. I think I think part of the thing that's so awesome is how wrong we are so much to, to some degree. Like we don't, we're not the big stat people. Just like we are, but we'll mess that shit up and be okay with it, right? Like we'll mess up a thing here and there and, and be okay with it, right? But it's because like you're getting an organic like fan experience, right? You're well, getting just people that just couch coaches, right? I mean the name says it all. Yeah. And uh, I think that's been my favorite part of the season is is being able to just. Um, have fun, come in here, 
rock and roll, talk about some football, and um, yeah, it's just been awesome. It's been good. It feels good to be back, too. You know I, I, mean? I think it's a perfect balance of the fact that we know more because of how much time and effort we put into following this sport, okay, and all the different views and aspects we can give of it um, that maybe the regular fan doesn't get to do because of their life, okay? On the same note, we're not actually in the business, so it gives us that leeway of being someone who will know what they're talking about and can make the case and stuff like that, but don't know, don't need to know or have that those stats read to you through an earpiece by someone Because let's face it, no one that you watch on TV, TV knows those stats off the top of their head, okay? It's getting fed through their wire piece, through the monitors they're reading off of, that they're able to read back to you. The thing is, for the stuff that we are reading back to you, most of the time we know it, and if we don't, we don't know where this episode's gonna go when we start it. So we're improvising as we go, and sure, you know that's why I think fans relate because they know they're getting the best of what they can, but also in someone that they can relate to, and not someone that you know is just sure, on right. TV because they're on TV. So I agree. With that, I think we're done for this episode and done for the night. I'm going to say shout out to my little cousins, Audison, Audison, Autumn, Ashlyn, and Addison. And remember, Couchies, there's always room for you here. There will be next season. There is now. And we want to hear from you and make you part of this, you know, show, this community. So good night, Couchies. There's always room on the couch for you. Go Rams. Tune in next time and score some points with the Couch Coaches. 